<laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. Well, everybody, this is Coral. Hey, guys, this is Autumn. And we're back at you for a second episode of You Heard That Right. We've got about a couple listeners, and, you know, we were really nervous last time. Thanks for anybody who tuned in. And one important shout-out we need to make, I think, at this point is how we're doing this, and it is on the amazing Anchor app. And once I got into it, Autumn, tell everybody how easy it was. It was easy, pretty easy, and that's how I like it. No, but really, it's a cool app, and if you're interested in doing a podcast, you should check it out. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah, that is how we feel. And um, I also want to say thanks to your wife, Sherry. Um, She is helping us out on the tech side of things and making sure we put some fun things in. Oh, well, thanks, Coral. Just so you get the best listening experience. We know our first one, they're always bumpy. but um, And also, she's giving us such a gift. Autumn, tell our listeners about it. Yeah, my wife's the best. She's very supportive been together almost 20 years and she is in a band awesome band called ink and decibels and uh they wrote a song called liberated i think it's the best song that they've ever written it's and, amazing and so yeah they're they're so nice they're like use our song they're letting us use their song well autumn it's perfect because we are liberated ladies we want to bring mm-hmm. listeners information about some liberated ladies who have been skipped over and need some recognition and credit so liberated that's a song you're going to rock out to as we start this podcast and wrap it up so thanks um sherry for all your hard work so um and yeah you know i always like to get started talking about a little bit about luca and a little bit about sienna and my life and i'm sure i'm gonna throw my hubby in there sometime in the mix Um, because he's supportive and amazing but Luca just Halloween just passed and you know she's four she thinks it's pretty funny to be a trickster and to prank and Sienna was never like that so this is my first experience with a little kid who wants to prank me and so she got in the bathtub and then she goes oh no mom I've had a serious accident and I said what 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 And I look in, and there is some pretty scary brown stuff floating around. And I was like, ew, ew, immediately get out. Like, why? The toilet's right there. And she goes, I twixed you. It's chocolate I broke up and put in the tub. I was like, really? Like, what? We still have to drain it because you can't wash your hair with chocolate, like, mush. But, yeah, she's crazy. And Well, that's my Luca. That's my, I have to say, I have to say. Was it a quick bar? Because... She said Twix, but that's so cute. Oh, my God. No. I know she's safe. It was a Twix bar, and she said Twix. No, it might have been a Kit Kat. She was like, break me off a piece All of that. Right. <laughs> break how, me off how, a piece. That, a little Twix bar. She's no, like, I Twixed you in my See, Twix. I was like that. I was like that. <laughs> I was like that as a kid. So, I love her. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, no. Oh, I do, too. <laughs> I adore her. She's like a present. The other day, my neighbor, Amazing, made me chocolate cake. Oh, you you know the chocolate cake. Autumn. Oh, I know. I know the cake. I know. Yeah, oh, so... I, we barfed that chocolate cake. <laughs> I tell him that. Okay. He always says, what? I say, no, me and my sister <laughs> eat so it, much it because chocolate it ate so much. 
I still eat it. I still eat it like I didn't barf. Okay, so, and I still feel so sick. So, so I was giving a bite to Luca because she was like, what is that? And I gave her a bite and she was, oh, this is like Christmas. And I said, oh, that is adorable. Okay, so my story of the week for my sweet Sienna was... We were listening to something, I don't remember, and it said, oh, something for mankind. And my sweet Sienna said, uh, what about womankind? Like, I, uh, that should be in the mix. It shouldn't just be mankind. It should be humankind or man right. and womankind. And I was like, yo, girl, we are doing this right. Ding! Uh, so, you, wait, wait, you have the button for my blood is boiling that you're going to put in. Oh, my God, I will. Button. We're going to try. We're going to put in. Maybe Sherry can hook us up. We want to boil the blood. That is, that's exactly why she is going to be the next generation of kids. Like, she's going to teach them all because not many kids pick up on that. So, I'm glad. <laughs> You know, we're going to dive in. We're going to go back. We're going to just go back, back to a time because it's been happening since the dawn of man. And it's like they're we've been fighting just like gays, just like people of color. And they just continue to fight and they fight and women are fighting for their rights. And I hope, I hope that there will be a change because for all these things that I read, like, yeah, there's change, but it's like, no, we should have some pretty serious differences and it, it it looks different, but not that different. Not as different as we should hope it to look in a world where we have freedoms and so many so many things in America. So that kind of makes me sad. So back to Sienna, that I that just that she she will be a part of that group of strong women. We see it happening, and like you said, this podcast. I mean, we're excited to be a part of it. We're excited to just learn about it ourselves and then put it back out there. Totally. I know. It's I, kind of like I'm embarrassed when I'm, like, learning stuff right now. Like, oh, my God. Yo. Woman, I don't even know this. Oh, geez. No. So, I mean, I can go. But, look, we just got the right to vote not even that long ago. So it's it's all pretty new, mm-hmm. this whole movement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So hopefully mm-hmm. Sienna will see female presidents and and like uh, when she will be so <laughs> so me you know different technologies coming out right and they and they focus it towards girls and whatever and women and and there was one that came out that was kind of like a version of you know Siri or Alexa or Google Home Google or Dot or whatever that you could ask it questions. And these amazing feminist teenagers and young 20-year-old girls were asking this giant Barbie-like Alexa thing and saying things like, um, you know, like, Barbie, um, what do you think about unequal pay for women? And then it's like, why don't you go in that kitchen of yours and bake a delicious set of cookies? And the girl's face like, what? And then the next girl's like, the girl's like, oh my God. Um, what do you uh, think about the pink tax? And the Barbie's like, let's go tidy something up. She's like, I will throw this. Is this supposed to be what we want to hear as young women? And this is what the, the disconnect is. So, yeah. So hopefully, yeah, we're raising strong women. We're, we're going to. Okay. So, um, Exactly. Oh my goodness. Uh. <laughs> we're putting we're putting something new in people. We're we're gonna try. 
Uh, ooh, oh. Let's throw it out there, Autumn. Let's hear what you've got going for our listeners. So excited. I'm excited. Let's hear let's, it. Let's say it at the same time. Okay, ready, set, booby, booby, booby blast. blast. Booby blast. blast. All right, let's hear it. Let's hear it. You're going to give us some awesome information that just kind of gives us like a quick shot at something that we're super proud of, someone we're proud of, just something we're proud to know. This is something, part of. okay, listen, listen, here it is. This is something that I think needs to be the very first one to start off our booby blast. Okay, so there is a movement. I might be a little behind. Some probably know, and I've known about this, but I just finally got more into it. The Top Freedom Movement, which is literally a political movement behind women being free to go topless in public, anywhere a man can go topless. I have had this pet peeve forever, and... I love it because we now yes. have six, count them, six yes. that you can go topless. Uh, they are Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, Wyoming, excuse me, New Mexico, Kansas, and Oklahoma. <laughs> now, super sad that California is not on here. However, recently, I do believe someone was down protesting in Venice for us women here in California yes. to take our shirts off. I mean, <laughs> my argument always to this, I have to say it, my argument always to this is, when a man says women shouldn't have their shirts off for whatever reason, right? Or anybody says that in, you know, the same place as a man takes his shirt off. I say, okay, if I were to go with that, then all the men who have bigger boobs than me shouldn't be allowed to have their shirt off, period, right? And when I say that, nobody can, can with a straight face, go, yeah, that's logical. Oh, it makes sense. No. So, ah, because I still was reading when I read about this recently more. And I was researching for this. I saw still comments from men saying that we should not be allowed to take our shirts off because it's there's our sexual blah blah blah. You know, just totally oh, just all oh. the distract. You're distracting yeah. me. It's just whatever. Um, <laughs> have you ever seen? I follow Sarah Silverman on Instagram. That that woman is amazing. I love her. I love her. She's. I know. I know. And have you seen that she posted something and it it was. I just don't even think it was her breast. I think it was her breasts with like the nipples scratched, you know, covered or whatever. And Instagram mm -hmm. said, you can't post that. And then she put a picture what? of man with breasts, you know, totally. due to his weight. Big and yeah. And she said aloud, <laughs> totally. Okay. Mine. Yucky. Illegal. Get him out of here. And so it's, I know it's insane. No, it's just because it's just, look, I'm a lesbian. I love boobies. I get it. I love them so much, as much as men do. But I can separate for equality. You know what I mean? I can, yeah. I can say, I mean, I mean, I just, ah, makes my blood boil. Blows my stack yeah. in the I mean, you heard that right, people. People are distracted by these anyway, boobies, but we got to see all the other boobies. I know, but that's my booby black. I, mean, I love it. I love it. Have a very cool booby blast. There you go. I just wanted to say it one more time. Booby blast. Okay. Oh, okay. Good. I love it. Okay. So we're going to jump in. I'm so excited to talk about this week's episode. Episode two's title is don't pass go. Don't collect 200 or well, any money. Elizabeth J. Maggi got monopolized and 
I want to start a little Uh bit about the history. And you know I'm like, not that great at numbers and dates and history. So I'm going to start... You know, at the beginning, at Wikipedia, at Google. I'm going to just start at the beginning there. I love it. And I love it. What's interesting is Elizabeth J. Maggi, which I'm going to call her Maggi. Let's just call her good old Liz. I mean, really, let's just call her Liz. But I don't know if it's Maggie or Maggie, but it's one G, so that's probably right. So she um, was born in rural Illinois in May 9th, 1866, and she really kind of had a very unique and different upbringing. Her father was a... um, an early force in Republican parties. He traveled around with Abraham Lincoln. He was described in many different things as a feminist far beyond, you know, his time. And this really, really influenced his daughter. So, you know, she was throughout her life pushing for the equalities for men and women and people of color and just basic just equality being a feminist and saying we should all have these rights and she even did so she even went as far as posting her own marriage want ad in a newspaper claiming and it was it made national headlines that she was claiming that you know making only ten dollars a day didn't seem like a life salary that she could live on and she was a stenographer is that like a courtroom person typer Um, i think so so she was um making ten dollars a day doing that and she just said this is ridiculous and so she posted an advertisement in the newspaper with a mock marriage like basically mocking marriage as being the only option for women. And so she put an ad in for herself saying she was a, um, a young woman, a young American slave to the highest bidder, not beautiful, but very attractive and features full of character and strength, yet truly feminine. And I just was like, this woman is a riot. Oh, I I like love her right now. I want to go like read about her when we're done with this. That's no, I can't. Yeah, no. And I can't wait to tell you about a woman who wrote a book about her. And she's equally rad because I we're going to probably come across so many articles this woman wrote about. So I'm going to talk about her name later. So um, and what's awesome is, is when I look her up, she was a stenographer she was a secretary at one time. She was a poet. She wrote short stories in her leisure time. And let's give it up to her. They, she was even noted to be a comedian and do comic routines. I mean, God. yes. I want to go to like a 19 or like an 1878 slam. Like, what? Like, what's happening? Wow. What do you think they're talking about? They're like, my knuckles, they're sore from the washing on that board. <laughs> Like, oh my god, my blood is straight. <laughs> oh my god. Like, they're like, the damn blood is keeps getting on all my yarn and sheep and my, oh god. Oh, my farm animals. Is a mess. Oh my god. Okay, so, so 
bad. Oh, my God. So, and then even what's more amazing is that they, like, you know, of course talk about her as this, like, random, like, ridiculous woman for marrying so late in life. But she did marry at 44. And, Autumn, okay. I, I looked it up. And, I mean, I tried to do the math, right? She was in 1866, so that made her, what, 44 in 1904. So, right? So I looked up around that year, like... <laughs> When she, I don't know, I'm not great at math. It's probably like, she's probably like not. Wait, no, 1866 and then 44 years after that, it would be straight up 1900, wouldn't it? So that's cool. Okay, 1900. So she's married. Yeah, but that means, but that's only 40 and it was four. I don't know. So yeah, don't anybody. And, um. But what was my point? No, you're right. Oh, the av- always wrong, people. <sighs> go, don't go with our answer. If there's a choice, go not Coral and Autumn's. <laughs> That the average expectancy life for a woman at that age, at that time and year was fifty. So she really only had like they all give it a try. Yeah, I guess I'll try it. Gotta try everything once. Uh, yeah. uh, like, well, Lizzie's not gonna go oh, out without that. I mean, she's like, I got comic. I need some new material. Let's do this. Let's get married. Let's do that. I mean, crap. I'm almost dead. We're almost dead. Ugh. Oh my god! If that was the thing, and I mean, yeah. So right. a lot of my friends are dead already. I guess at this time. Oh well. Well, that's okay. That's okay. She's she's amazing. I'm. Okay, so, by her. I know. So listen, so this is, I mean, we, I really, I know this is just the scratching the surface of who she is. So she has a very high interest in her life and she's a very big believer of a century, the 19th century economist, Henry George. Now, mind you, I've, I was like, what is this a King Henry, Henry George. And it's like, no, dude, none of that. He's an economist. He believed in like, you know, understanding what was going to be the best for the whole good microeconomy, macroeconomy, all that shit. So Mm -hmm. she believed in him and she believed in him so much. And he basically talked about land grabbing and that there were going to be now because all this land, right, was up for for like the taking and he said there has to be a system where it doesn't just create the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer and nobody having Mm -hmm. a system and the system should be that land should be free like it shouldn't be that the rich get to own land just because it's like no this land was here on this earth and every human has a right to be on so yeah uh, uh, let's hear it up for um yeah henry george so she really dug that, and she created a game called the Landlord's Game. It had so many of the markings today that you would see on the game board of Monopoly. So this is where I kind of get into one of my favorite authors right now. Her name is Mary Pylons, P-I-L-O-N-S. She is the woman who wrote the book The Monopolist. Her article, Monopoly's Lost Female Inventor. I read so many, Autumn, and they talk about this woman and a little bit of what she did. And they're they're like, yeah, it was kind of shady and the history's shady. But okay, but this author really gives credit where credit's due and just dives deep into, you know, Lizzie's life and gives her so much credit. So yeah, if you're going to read about her, those are things to check out. And so... It, it was an, it was that the game. Cool. The game had two sets of rules. So the land 
owner's game. Is that what it was called? Yeah, the landlord's game. The landlord's game. Landlord game, yeah. Yeah. Had two sets of rules. One that would teach the players basically that you can learn how to distribute the land equally and and do it in a way that everyone's benefiting that benefits the whole when everybody's thriving and succeeding Mm -hmm. or that it could be the opposite rules which would be like a monopoly versus the anti-monopoly and it would be we take everything and there's going to be one person ruling everything and there will be lots of poverty (laughs) and lots of things and so she what what does that sound like oh okay keep going right um (laughs) And these phrases in her game, which she eventually got patented in 1904, she had things in there like phrases that included go to jail, railroad spaces, public park spaces. I mean, she had some of the fundamental things that we associate with a very popular game that we know today as Monopoly. So, oh, I know you heard that right, people. It's starting. I'm feeling it too. My heart's racing. I'm like, oh god, it just gets it gets real worse. Infuriating. It gets worse. It just gets worse. I just kept reading. I was like, this is real crappy. Um, she created the game and was quoted to say, "Let the children once see clearly the gross injustice of our present land system, and when they grow up, if they are allowed to develop naturally." the evil will soon be remedied. Basically saying, if they're educated about this stuff, they will not stand for this. So let me educate them through this fun game called the landlord's game. So in that case, she just tried to distribute it as widely as she could. So this this is quite a number of years later from 1904 when she got it originally patented. And the truth is, is that it says in Wikipedia, she actually had it patented again in 1923. I think kind of just establishing the kind of core set of rules that she was... You know, realizing that needed to be kind of either clarified. I mean, it's been years. So in 1904 was the original patent. She got it patented again in 1923. And and so in 1932, I mean, this guy remembers it. This guy named Charles Todd vividly remembers childhood friends, friends he's known his whole life named Esther Jones and Charles Darrow. Well, dickhead Charles Darrow takes that idea. And he decides he's going to take it to the Parker Brothers Co. and sell them his game, which was called Monopoly. What the hell? How come Monopoly is not in trouble for, for <sighs> it as well? Both of them. Well, because listen to how this went. Oh, so down. It's just, I'm not down. These people are down. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm never going to be able to play this game again. Oh, Autumn. I feel the same way. I see it. I'm like, really? And here's the thing. You're going to learn that this history, the history, even though we're going to learn about what's right, this history of Charles Darrow is so embedded. So what this story says is that Charles Darrow in 1935 took the idea and sold it to Parker Bro Company, which I just picture these like two douchey white bags who were like, yeah, like let's. No, I just like picture them like in the garage. I picture them at like a top of a skyscraper in their white tower, and we're in the trenches, and they're just like, oh, we'll 
buy that from you and won't even check things out or whatever. And so they buy, oh and this is like, let me, like, I just have to like get my head straight. My, my heart is racing and it's just like so complicated and I'm super angry. Um, okay. Let me focus. I got arrows. I got angry signs. I got, okay. Um, okay. So in 1935, basically, and this is the story, Autumn, this is what Monopoly, let me just clarify this. Everybody, you heard that right, what you're about to hear. He took it to them, and this was a time where Parker Bro Company was already, like, right, they were manufacturing kids' toys, they were pretty big, but this is the heart, this is the heart of the Great Depression. So they're not doing great. They're not doing good at all. Nobody can afford toys. They can't afford to make toys. Everything was manufactured, which was beautiful in America back in the day. So Mm -hmm. along comes this guy, Charles Darrow, and he gives them this idea. And in 1935, they buy this idea. And in 1936, Parker Bros have sold so many copies that they start to kind of be like, oh, wow, not only is this guy, so that's how the story gets told, this amazing toy inventor saved an amazing toy company from the brink of failure, and everybody's a win-win, but poor Elizabeth Maggi, who's the oh creator, uh, okay, so... So they say, so then they, like, then they realize that he's this, like, oh, my God, this is kind of, like, a big deal, and we need to go back and figure out, like, where does this yeah, stuff we better go get it come yeah. from, right? Like, so then they realize, like, oh, man, there was, there's already this lady, like, who mm-hmm. basically, invented it. Um, like, already has a lot of the details and a lot of the things And so they're like, oh, man, that's not good. So they go to her and they offer her five hundred dollars. And this is a 19. This is a 1935, 1936 about. I don't people just, you know, there's differences. So she's I looked it up on him. She's offered five hundred dollars, which is at that time less than nine thousand dollars, just under nine thousand dollars. That's what I mean. That sounds like shit. She's offered. She's offered no royalties, and she was told at the time that they would sell her copies of the landlord's game, and they did not. I believe they. I believe, and I don't know. What if, does that mean? Sell her copies of the that game they, that they would create that they that they would create copies because she cared so passionately about it. She did not want to make money. She still cared about getting out the general principle and ideas oh, that okay. you know that these were important values to learn. And so she, when they right. came to her, and I think she's like older at this time, right? How old is she? Probably in her seventies or late seven. I don't know. I'm not good at math. Yeah, well, no. I mean, if it was 19. Oh, God, are you ready? I got a piece of paper. Are you asking somebody? Sorry. No, I think it's like, you're right, late 70s. Okay. And so um, they offered her $500, no royalties, with a promise to manufacture the landlord's game. And I don't think, I think in different stories, and who I believe this is right, that they, like, basically buried the landlord's game like bought the rights to it bought the rights to the landlord's game and just like the royal for five hundred dollars and then like 
but no and then like basically just sunk it just kind of put it underneath and didn't really you know she's old yeah, so, they're just like whatever so then they go yeah okay but i have a live question yes so go didn't did, did she okay so she just said i'll take the money no royalty 500 bucks i just want you to keep the message going she just like innocently said that and they were just like, sure. promise to manufacture my the, game the promise the verbal promise. Autumn, I think it's that they right. manu. Listen, I think they went semantics, and they're like, "Oh, we'll manufacture." She probably didn't say forever or how many, and so I think they manufactured, you know, a couple yeah, thousand, and then they're just like bury it like Jumanji in the backyard, and like hopefully no one will beat oh, that drum, dude. God. Like, oh, but God. the drum got beat, dude. Oh, right, right. The drum got beat, so it, it keeps going. So Parker Brothers, those real, real, real piece of work. They find that there's other people. They find that there's a couple other people that had had additional patents added on to this kind of land owner's game or whatever. And um, oh. it was a woman named Ruth Hawkins. You know, she had made enough changes to the rules and it had, had it added Atlantic City names for the town they lived in that she had was able to patent it. And so then it was... And then I don't even know if that was patented. All I know is they went to her and found out, like, okay, you did that. And then um, Darrow was one of them. And then the man named Louis Thunes, T H U N S, in 1931, um, they basically bought up the Re Parker Brothers bought up the remaining board games he had of anything for $50 a piece. How sketchy is that? They're like buying up everything as like. We don't want any evidence this has ever existed. So they not only bought her out, but then went to find people who could possibly have oh this and God. bought the remaining board games for $50 each. Oh, my gosh. You know. Uh, and then there was a guy, and this is where it gets confusing. <laughs> then some other guy named Knapp, K-N-A-P-P. He bought it from some other dude named Layman. Like, everybody's changing hands. And basically, like, Nat bought it from Layman for $200. And basically, Parker Brothers bought it from Nat for $10,000. Like, they just picked up and bought anything that resembled anything like Monopoly yeah. when they knew that it was going to be super famous. And in, like, the height of it, and this is all happening really fast. This is all happening in, like, a really fast amount of time from the time Darrow sells it to Parker and Parker's finding everybody yeah. and just secretly buying all these things out from underneath them that in 1936, wow. like it is starting to be the height of the emergence of monopoly. And it's so sad because there's like a news article where they're like asking like Lizzie Maggie about it. And she's just like, yeah, it's like not right, dude. Like it sucks. Um, let me see if I can find. Um, you know what it is and why it's sad? It's the complete opposite of what she wanted. It is the exact irony. Like isn't the name it? Monopoly, what they did, the story of how this game, like, was exactly that. They, they monopolized and shady and oh my God. Yes, thank it's you. Sick, right? Look it is that. exactly. People. It is exactly that. It oh! is exactly. Yep. And so, oh, and they even wow. like, and, and I mean. Doesn't surprise me though. Doesn't surprise me. That's what's even sadder. This is no. why we have to educate people. This is why we, we can't, we can't live like this. Look what our world's become. I mean, it's sad. I mean, the greed, the money. Listen. And this is, this is, 
Yeah. And, oh, it is, and, it, and can you imagine, I mean, this, this lady, all she wanted was for it to be, like you said, you nailed it. I mean, it was the exact opposite of everything she Thank hoped you. for. It was. So yeah, then. I, you know what? You don't, you know, you know, I have to say this. I'm feeling a little bit happy doing this. It's helping me because I've always preached as a woman. What's upsetting to me is why can't we just, when it comes to corporate and the greed and the money. And I say to people, why can't we live in a world where it's more equal? And then people laugh at me and they're like, that's naive. There's too many people and this and that. They always no. reasons and excuses. And I just, I'm like, but this is examples right here. If I'm not stupid, I'm not naive. I'm not. No, it's, you thrive. The, the, it, it, it will, you will thrive when everyone thrives around you. It's just such a sad, yes. selfish place. So that's, that's it right there, man. When others thrive, we thrive, you know, everyone thrives. I, know. I don't. Uh, it keeps okay, going. Keep going. I mean, let me just, it just, yeah, no, it keeps going. Like Parker bros are just like, I think they're like devils and they probably, yeah, yeah. they're devils in disguise. Yeah. So money, they, money and it's there's one more thing that happens. In 1936, okay. now mind you, this is one year, this is all around the time that they're squashing everybody. There's one more they got to squash. His name was Rudy Copeland. And okay. at this point, there's three brothers in the Parker Brothers, George, Charles, and Ed. And Rudy Cop Copeland is sued for patent infringements um, for the game um, called inflation. And basically it's too much like Monopoly. And so Parker Brothers sues him. Now, isn't that ironic that as they're oh. going around, like shushing everybody up and brushing everything under the rug and paying off as easily as they can, everybody with no royalties or they any sort of, they are oh suing God. someone else for infringement on their Monopoly game. <laughs> and he in court, he countered, with a, with he countersued with saying like, how can your oh patent be valid when there are other people who own your rights? And that's what triggered Parker Brothers. And I'm sorry I said that backwards, listeners, because this is a confusing ass story. <laughs> but he and I even numbered this shit. I had like color coded. I was numbered, and then I just saw red. I was like, it's all red. My whole freaking paper is red. Oh God, my, my heart is racing. So yeah, no, so he was basically what set it off. Parker Brothers was like, oh crap, like he's right. Like, wait, there's these other people and he's, and so they won. They, so basically he settled out of court and they paid him $10,000 for the rights of his game. So not only did he settle out of court, which means that he got some money, but he also got $10,000 just because they wanted nothing like Monopoly. And then that triggered Parker Brothers to say, Oh crap! What do they mean? We don't technically have a valid patent on our monopoly, and that's when they hunted everybody down and screwed everybody over, and it just kept going. So listen. So now it's nineteen. So it just happened. I mean, it is literally that is how this story goes down. Charles Dar Darrow is still like the king of Monopoly. He is looked at as a, as an amazing man who saved a toy company who was up until 1991 uh, running. And this company was started in like the 18, like 18 something. Like it was, it was a long standing company. And in 1991, that's when Hasbro bought it over. Right. Oh, okay. And here's, Wait, 19, 1991. 1991 is when Hasbro bought out Parker Brothers and Co. Okay, and took over the rights okay. of Monopoly. But okay. here is what's so sad still. When you look up on Wikipedia or you look it up, it will say under the inventors, it will have 
Maggie, it will have Elizabeth Maggie, and then it will have Charles Darrow, which I cannot believe he gets any credit for, but this man gets to have his name. Ugh. He and did nothing. He took an idea and, yeah, and stole, and, like, just did, like, mm-hmm. I guess, like, if you, I don't know. So, <laughs> so, he, what was I saying? So he took them. Was, I'm sorry. Not, I don't. No, you're good. Has for his, his yes, thank you. Gets to be on there. Appalling. So, so Hasbro bought it over, right? So let me go to my, now, but let me go back really fast because there's something really cool. And I wanted to bring it up as like a totally crazy fact. So oh. in 1941, it's World War II. And I guess that, that. Monopoly even snuck its way. And I, you know, even I'm like, eh, screw you, Monopoly, and screw you. I did think that this was really quite fascinating. And again, I can I be like, thank you, Lizzie Maggi, because, because of her, this was even possible because they yeah. stole her ideas from Monopoly. But they basically, like, people were bored. And so, but the the certain military, I don't know if it was Polish or what government, but they did not want Germany or American-based Monopoly versions. And so they made their own, but, like, it got infiltrated. And so they were giving, like, tips and things. They had secret maps and all these things. And because it was a game that was made, they had nothing to compare it to. And so, like, at the time, it was, like, used for the British secret intelligence and, like, Service and John Wadington LLC made like LTD made like versions of the game for Nazi war prisoners to basically give them information as they were being held prisoner. The Polish were being held prisoner by Nazis. They were giving them information. Isn't that amazing? Dude, that's that's really awesome. Oh my gosh! Now she could feel good knowing at least that was you know at least her her invention. I know. Did that. I know. You know, like, but that's always us women. Women always have to be like, just take the, well, at take least, the emotional you know, prize. I'll just accept. You don't need the money. Yeah. The man can take care of you. Not anymore. Women I don't need the credit. I don't need money. Yeah, no. Okay. I don't need some damn credit. I need some money. Credit doesn't pay my bills. Okay, keep going. Okay, so. Um, I'm so sorry. It took me a lot of editing, I'm sure. A lot of beeping of my language. <laughs> I don't know. This is not for kids. It's not a kid podcast. Tell your kids all this, but just in a in a gentler version with some just more factual, more. more. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So, yes, no. So in 1991, and this is where I feel, this is where I'm disheartened because I feel like in 1991, Hasbro had the opportunity to start putting in all of their games information about, about this, just a little snippet, just something like, I mean, right they could have done it. I wish, I wish right now I had like an email and I'd blast and I'd be like, everybody email them. But like, yeah, we agree. It's you should start putting like this years, information okay? in. So okay. We could maybe still make this happen. So well, someone can that listens to our little tiny podcast here. <laughs> you guys, seven people send an email. We're doing this. Okay. Make a difference. Hey, hey, you know what? Listen. We're just getting started. It's going to be amazing. Gonna okay. Be amazing people. Yes. Okay. So, so Hasbro. Let's get right. let's get into that. I mean, just because it did. Autumn. Again, I was in some place the other day, and it was a wall of Monopoly games. Let me tell you some of the ones because there are a hundred and three countries that Monopoly is sold in, and it is sold in thirty seven languages. 
Damn. And wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. And these are some of the ones. There are hundreds of versions exist. I'm not, they said that hundreds of versions exist. Here's some ones I wrote down. Classic Monopoly, oh. Stranger Things Monopoly, because I'm a fan. Oh, yes. That, yes, I know. Keep Rick and Morty Monopoly, Denver Monopoly, and Colorado Monop- Colorado-opoly and Denver-opoly, which that just means that there's probably Texas-opoly and Cali-opoly and oh. Yucky-opoly. Um, hopefully there's a hellopoly and everyone's like, hello, Charles Darrow and Parker Brothers, Ed Charles and whatever, George, come on down to hellopoly. Did you just hear the song? Simpsons. They've got Simpsons Monopoly. They've got every Monopoly. They've got Star Wars, Walking Dead, Pokemon. But let's get to the one that struck the chord with me the most. And the way that oh. they sell it is just... It's like a kick in the okay. bladder. Okay. Oh my it's god! Called, I'm gonna flip. You're gonna. I mean, hold something down because this ain't pretty. <laughs> in the bright colors of red that I'm seeing, it's called Miss Monopoly. Now I had to go. I had to go online. I was like, no, I'm going directly because if I'm gonna read this, I'm gonna go directly to Hasbro so they can be as proud as they can be. That this is what they're posting online for their new advertisement of um, the Miss Monopoly board game. First game where women make more than men. Features inventions by women for families and games. Now, let me let me read it. They've got a description. I couldn't wait. I was like, oh, I'm going to read that description. I've never read a game description. I'm like, I'm going to read this. Description. I'm back. Okay. Hello. Hello, let me hear a little slap. I'll, if I could slap your face. I'm here. I'm back. <laughs> you heard that right, bitch. It gets worse. Hell. First of all, I need to know what Miss Hells is spelled. Is it M-I-S-S or M-S? M-S, period. M-S, period. Great. Okay. Either way, I was going to hate it. But okay, just curious. Go on. I just cannot believe that the they, they the, the, the fir- first game first game where men, women make more than men. I mean, they're like saying that like a proud thing. I will first game where men make more than women. It sounds like they're mocking us, yet they think they're yeah, no. good. I don't... No, it's so, I know, thank you. Okay, no, here we go. Description. Oh, God, oh, God, okay. We can't even get, from the first sentence on, we can't even get our own. Listen to where we are broken off from. Okay, this breakout Monopoly game introduces Mr. Monopoly's niece, a self-made investment guru, here to update a few things. The game celebrates women inventors as players move around the board collecting iconic things that wouldn't exist without women. Wi-Fi, chocolate chip cookies, bulletproof vests, and the list goes on. This is the first game where women make more than men. But who you are is up to you. Includes unique tokens that represent adventurous spirits for Miss Monopoly. Let me tell you a couple of the things that it has. Instead of buying properties, players buy some of the things that wouldn't exist without inventive women, innovative women who invented them. I like that, but like we can't have both. We can't like whatever. I know. Um, I get stuff in, but there's things I'm already. I know. Keep going. This is how they're edging us out. We're like, we're on to you, people. We're not buying hook, line, and sinker, all this crapola. Okay. In this Miss Monopoly game, woman, you get a higher payout at the start of the game and more money when passing go. So they're basically saying, like, we'll raise your pink tax and see your glass ceiling. 
And you can almost be there. We will almost let you tap out of that. Players can build business headquarters to collect even more rent. Zoom ahead with ride shares and purchase utilities invented by and solar heating invented by women. And it just, I literally was like, is this happening? I mean, this is so that's it, guys. That's the new game that has been created by Miss Monopoly. This would have been a perfect time when they're putting in all this stuff about women inventors to say, and by the way, and it just, just go then as into any Monopoly game that this is a little bit of the truth. And it wasn't really how it's all said. And this was this woman's goal. And her name was Lizzie Maggie. What you're saying. You're saying you're saying that like this was again another opportunity that they could have actually credited, you know, yes. the original right yes. maker yes. or you know, and and even and what about even putting in her ideas of what she originally wanted to like that's another wouldn't that have been I, great I, I, just I, to I, educate okay, i'm not trying yeah and i'm not trying to be anti like I, i'm trying to find the good like i really am like i i see some good maybe in this game but i also i don't know no this is I'd what i think about it more i'd have to ponder on it more you know this is what i meant I when i said like crazy like i don't want to seem like a crazy woman who's like anti-dad and i can never find like people trying to progress and men trying to progress are different, but you know, I'm yeah, no, we see that. that no, we so, see that we are going to you know, celebrate. I mean, yeah. let me go back that. And I, I'm not giving credit, Autumn. You, I'm glad you're bringing this up. Where's my notes? Because yeah, I think I forgot a dude. Okay. Cause this is really important. Well, you've got a really good one at the beginning. And I was like, good. That's good. Because you know, the truth is it, things won't change unless, unless men are, the good men are, you know, continue to, to go on and on and on. And there's lots of good men, obviously. And that's what we need, though. We need men to stand up and say, look, women can't be treated this way anymore. It's only going to take men and women changing things. It can't just be women, you know, obviously. So, well, let me, and let me say that. Said, I still get very pissed. <laughs> well, and I'm not giving credit because I didn't, I skipped over this dude named Ralph Anspach in 1973, oh. which now, mind you, this is before Hasbro brought it over but let's just i mean if i could give out a booby blast for this dude i would because he deserves a motorboat because in 1973 he invented the anti-monopoly right this dude probably had never heard of lizzie maggi he was probably like shit sucks right now in the 70s and i don't know maybe it was sounded pretty awesome lots of lots of fun was happening it sounds like i could have been but I'm, I'm sounding pretty awesome. Um, um, and so he invented this game. And what's amazing is he was the kind of guy who put pressure for 10 years. He was in a court battle. He wouldn't give up. Unlike that other dude, like what was his name? Rudy Coplin that gave up and settled out of court in 1936 with the Parker brothers in 1973. Right. Now that's like what? 30 years later again. Don't he, 40 years later, I don't know, he, this guy, Ralph Anspach, was like, wait, I can't invent my game, why not? Oh, Parker Brothers came in and was like, hell no, and he, for 10 years, he didn't settle out of court. He was like, no, wait a second, you guys are a bunch of big liars who seriously swept this all under the rug, and the only reason why we know that all these people, other than if you can, like, of course, look at all these patent things and go back, is that he brought it to the light. He brought to the light that Parker Brothers 
basically swindled all these people and bought all their rights out. And even though he probably lost and didn't end up getting anti-monopoly as a game, it was because of Ralph and Spatch that people really even started to learn about Lizzie Maggi and that, like, all that went down. And it's like, hell yes. Like, thank you. You were even, even 40 years later, like, good. Don't, don't get to just sit on your high horse. Like, I hope that it rocked their world and they had to face for 10 years the reality that they did that to a lot of, you know, mostly Lizzie Maggie, that her idea was stolen and she got 500 wow. freaking bucks. So I'm sorry, wow. Ralph, you deserve that credit too. The story's yeah. been really complicated and crazy. And I tried my best to put it in order, but dang. Oh, I know. So you guys, yeah, I, think we did okay. I know. Thanks for listening. That was a long one. And we're going to end today and every day with you heard that right with a little golden era autumn do you yes, have something wait, wait, wait. from hold the on, hold from on, the big on. screen yes. let me get okay well autumn's finding it I, listen no i found it we haven't uh quite decided on a name we uh, we were throwing around glorious golden women's words of wisdom and i need to i know it's a little long so if nobody likes that it's cool but <laughs> this is one mm. that i really liked i found one and i'm going to tell you who this amazing woman is you might guess but we'll see you'll know the name for sure so here it is she said not everything that is faced can be changed but nothing can be changed until it is faced and for me Ooh. it hits home because that's a tough one for me because i hate facing anything but but once you face it is. any guesses no oh i like any this game who no. i hope betty white because you know she, she passed away yesterday Ooh, that's, a, that's a good guess that would have been guess, yeah but it was Lucille Ball. Oh, my girl Lucy. Yeah, she she Lucy. faced it. That that woman did not. She faced a lot well, and faced up to it. One. Oh, well, good. We hope everyone does. And I thought it was a good way to end it because the truth is, is like you were saying about what she was saying, actually, in her in her what she was trying to make with her game, you know, it's like, look. We've got to face it, people. We can't let everybody be freaking rich and the poor be poor. No, everyone's got to, everyone should have a little less so someone can have a little more until it's just enough. Everyone's Everybody's just enough, you know? succeeding and thriving. It helps everybody. Yeah. Well, let's keep it going, well, Autumn. Thanks to all our well, listeners. And here's where you can get us. Don't forget, you can listen to us on, this is going to be, this is the first time Autumn's hearing this. You guys can find us on iTunes, Apple iPod, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the Breaker app, Podcasts, Pocket Cast, sorry, and Radio Public. All right, guys, thanks for listening to You Heard That Right. Oh, and one more thing. You're going to hear the song Liberated. Don't forget to listen. All right. Thanks, guys. Woo. Bye. Love bye. you. Bye. Woo.
stupid. <laughs>